introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Out to the right. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he oh, look at this! To oh, Williams! Touchdown! You gotta be kidding me! Right, and welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And we are back. It's been a little while. We're here, ready to chop it up, ready to talk some Vikings. We don't have the full crew. QB1, he's got twins. They woke up. They were cranky. He has to take care of that. But we got everybody else, and we're going to jump right into this thing. Miles, my man. How you doing? How you been? I've been all right. How y'all doing? I can't complain. Can't complain. And, uh, you know, I guess the the, the hardest working man in show business, Saxy Prince. How you doing? I've been good, y'all. You know, take a little break from from work, hanging out with some friends and whatnot tonight. But, yeah, man, let's talk with some football. We got to get into what's been happening with our team. All right. Well, that is a perfect segue because let's jump right into it. It's been a little while since we talked. Obviously, there's been a lot of conversation in the various group chats that we have going on. And uh, I just want to kind of start things off here. Maybe set the table. Prince, we'll start with you. Uh, how are you feeling about the team based on where we are right now in the season? Record looks very good. Kirk Cousins playing like a top five, top 10 quarterback in the league. Without Adam Thielen for a considerable portion of the season, people are already talking about Stefanski for head coaching positions as we go into next year. Offense, looking great. Defense, eh, not looking as great as we're accustomed to seeing. With all that put together, what are your thoughts on the team? And then, you know, when you're done doing all that, where are you at with how Kirk Cousins has played season two? Yeah, I, I feel like this is actually a reverse uh, Denny Green type situation. I feel like they our team isn't who we thought that they were. Um, with not having, like, a at times looking like a top 10 defense, um, you know, corners continue to become one of our biggest liabilities, uh, cornerback play. And it, it's just so surprising because they have not played well. Xavier Rhodes have not played well. Um, interior pass rush has been an issue. Um, and overall, just the defense just doesn't seem like it's that, you know, that, um, that defense that just seemed to, like, always be able to, like, keep us in games because they were so explosive or Zimmer dialed up something or just the adjustments that were able to be made in the past. So it's been a little bit disappointing on the other side of the ball. Um, the offense has been looking fantastic. Um, they, we've been able to stay in games that, honestly, the defense has let go. Um, Kirk Cousins has looked a lot more poised, I would say. It, it's, it's, I've actually been a little bit more surprised to not feel like I need to curl my toes every time he takes a drop Kirk, back. I'm, I'm sorry. I feel like you might have cut out there. I'm not sure if that was your internet or just your brain no, wouldn't you let it, you, you say it. You heard it right the first time. You heard it, it wouldn't, right wouldn't let you go all the way. Kirk Cousins has been a little more what, though? He has looked more poised, admittedly, um, through my, you know, small evaluation. I actually want to do a little bit more of a deeper dive with Kirk because he actually has looked uh, a lot better than I've seen him. It, 
feels as if like whatever program was in him over the last year and a half is like they took it out and they've replaced it with a more efficient guy who just makes better decisions. Um, and there's far fewer throws where I'm just like, Kurt, what the hell was that? Um, and that's, and that's a good thing. That's honestly, if you can get me to a point where I'm not as big of a skeptic, I think you're doing something right. Um, as a quarterback. Um, so as far as year to date, I think this season started off, uh, really, really poorly, uh, from where I thought Kirk was at. Um, but over the last, I would say, you know, four, five, six games, he's definitely been a more solid side of being, uh, the quarterback that I, I think a lot of people can be, uh, more happy about, you know, spending that $84 million with him. Um, so it, it, you know, the, the skepticism still comes, and this is not necessarily Kirk's fault. But I think it's more the fault of the defense is now Kirk is going to be asked to do the very thing that I, I have probably been the biggest skeptic of is when we're not in games, um, you know, can he rise above and, and not just get us back into the games, but win them. Um, and I think he's done half of that. I think he's shown that he's able to get us back into games. Uh, now it's just obviously just closing those games out. But at the same time, it's not all on him, right? It, it is also the defense being able to, um, allow for us to not have to ask him to, you know, put up 35 points in order to get us back into a game. So, um, you know, I, I, I does sound like I'm reversing course quite a bit, but um, I, I haven't been as down on offense as I have been in the past, more specifically for Cousins. And I think that's... I didn't know you were such a good moon, good at moonwalking, Prince. <laughs> Damn. I mean, Prince... I don't think it's a moonwalk. Hey, what does Jason always? What does Jason always say? You provide me more data, it should affect, it should uh, change the way my stance is. My stance is I'm less skeptical now than I have. I mean, been. that might be the most tepid endorsement I have ever heard in my life. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins is playing well, as well as we have ever seen in his career, and Prince says, "Well, I mean, I'm a little less skeptical than I was before when I thought he was cheeks." But anyway. Hey, man, I'm not doing it. Miles, hearing what Prince has to say, uh, how many of your thoughts about this team align? Where are you at with it? How do you feel about what you've seen about the team season to date? And how are you feeling about this final stretch? Uh, now that we are, I mean, we should feel comfortable about making the playoffs, but maybe we're locked in a bit of a fight with a couple of teams that we didn't think we were going to have to deal with come year end. Uh, how are you feeling about this team as they go down the stretch, their chances to make the playoffs, and from what you've seen, um, you know, how far do you think this team can actually go? Yeah, I'll start with the first question, the second question. I think they have a really good shot at making the playoffs. These are the the next two games are out of the four are the easiest of the two. Uh, you should win both games, and if you win both games, I think you essentially lock up a playoff spot uh, because I think you look at the the teams that are chasing them. Uh, they basically have, I think the the best records are nine and seven um, from those teams. Uh, so if you get to 10 wins, I think you're pretty much locked in. Uh, obviously, you want to do better than that. You don't want to, what I don't want this team to do is go into week 17 like last year and it be a must win to make the playoffs. Uh, let's secure that earlier. You could win the next three games and you're going to lock in a, a playoff spot. Obviously, um, you win the next two, you're going to probably do that as well um so let's let's just i'd rather not see them back their way in let's just you know take control full control while you have it um don't let other don't need don't ask for other teams to to lose for you to win uh to and to make it um kind of thing so 
that's where I'm at with that. Um, but I think overall, I'm, I'm pretty positive of where this team is right now. Um, I wish, you know, they would have beaten the, uh, wish they would have beaten the Seahawks. I think they had every opportunity to take control of the game. Um, I think there are times where I struggle with the offense is the flow sometimes. I do, I wish they would get into a little bit more of that spread it out, um, get your quarterback, get your um, offense into a fast-paced rhythm. Uh, I wish they would do that in on drives where they – on some drives where they don't always, I guess, quote-unquote, need it. Because um, sometimes what we've seen, especially the last two games, is they get into the hurry-up offense because they have to, not because they want to speed up the tempo and just kind of get into a rhythm. So what I'd really like to see is that is the offense do that. Hey, let's start getting ourselves into a rhythm when we want to, um, rather than when we need to. That way, because um, you've seen that they can score. I won't say at will, but they uh, um, they score pretty consistently when they get themselves into that spot where they where they start getting into hurry up. They start getting more explosive plays. They start uh, you see Kirk hitting better play, uh, hitting uh, better throws, all that good stuff. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with that. But I think Kirk's played really well. Um, the only other nitpick I have for the offense, and I've, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a broken record with it, is just how, they, how they've approached Stephon Diggs with Thielen out. Um, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, you're, not, you're not moving Diggs around the formation as much. You're not getting creative, creatively to get him the ball as often. Uh, it, honestly, like I, we're, we're in week... Jason, only week fourteen. That feels right. Uh, I it, it doesn't make sense to me that this is like the fifth game in a row where you have Thielen essentially out of the game, and Stephon Diggs isn't the primary playmaker in the passing game. He's not the guy that. Like I'm okay limiting him some of his snaps just to help keep him fresh. That makes sense to me. Like you see it, you see uh, BC come in on when they have three tight ends and one receiver. Um, you see a lot of that, and I'm I have no problem with that at times because um, you you need Diggs to stay healthy. Like you you put yourself in a situation where Diggs cannot get hurt, <laughs> and I think. Um, but what I'd like to see is, and I, again, I've talked about this ad nauseum, is move him around the formation because what you see, and I I've I've likened what the Vikings do with Stephon Diggs to what um, I what I've seen a little bit from the Cleveland Browns with Odell Beckham Jr. is. You keep him stationary in one spot um, on either side of the formation on the line of scrimmage, and you're just asking him to win one on one. Which Diggs can win one on one. That's not the problem. But it essentially feels like they don't. They're not asking him to be the primary receiver in a lot of the pass routes. Um, and when he was on Monday, it was like two to three yard routes. It made zero sense to me that 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 game plan uh, earlier in the early in the game. Um, and then essentially he just became a non-factor. And then like you saw on the, the last play for the Vikings on offense, that fourth down play, uh, to get themselves back into the game to, to tie it up late, they had Diggs run a clear out, not even be a factor in the, in the, in the pass route when he's far and away your best offensive player, especially when Dalvin Cook's out. I'm like, it's, the, it's probably the most negative thing I have to say about the offense is just how they're approaching the usage of Stefan Diggs more than it is uh, the offense as a whole. I think, I just think they could be more explosive. They could have more play, more big plays if they just get him more involved and they, but creatively as well. Um, so that's just my biggest gripe. So I'll end that rant. 
Um, oh, no, 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 because I'm, I'm going to send you right back into this rant because I have two questions, <laughs> follow-up questions for you here. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. That, that's something that, you know, in, in, in the, the CTP group chat, that's a, that's a conversation that's been ongoing for a little while here. First question, because, you know, we, we do like to be solutions-oriented around here. Um, give me an example, like if we're thinking about how other teams use their, say, their number one wide receiver, because I think maybe we've been spoiled as Vikings fans when right. Diggs and Thielen were both on the field, it makes it very challenging. It puts a lot of stress on a defense. So defenses aren't generally able to double both of them all the time. Some teams have done it, and to be honest, it's been pretty effective when those teams have decided to just go all out in stopping those two. But more often than not, it makes it challenging. And Thielen often benefited because they moved him around the formation, moved him into the slot, right. got him favorable matchups. And so on our team, we saw them using Thielen like that. With a player like a Stefan Diggs and what he brings to the table, can you give me some examples of other teams in the league and how they use players who are similar to a Stefan Diggs that you would like to see um, the Vikings maybe mimic or copy or take plays for, like other wide receivers who are being used in a more multiple fashion that you'd like to see for Stefan Diggs? Yeah, so here's a guy. He didn't do anything on Monday, which uh, was really weird to me that the Vikings gave up 37 points and. Uh, I think he's their best offensive playmaker in Tyler Lockett. Um, they move him all over the formation. They ask him to do so many different things. Um, he's a really good deep threat like Diggs is. He's really good after the catch. Uh, they use him in gadget ways as well, which we saw on the first drive. The Vi- Diggs almost had a rushing touchdown, uh, which he should have. We'll, we'll get, we don't need to get into that, but I think Diggs, Diggs missed the what should have been a, t- a, a rushing touchdown on Monday, but that's they scored, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, I think that's a really good example. Um, the Seahawks, they creatively used Tyler Lockett, even if he wasn't involved on Monday or wasn't like the, the focal point of their offense, again, which I find very weird in the fact that they were able to do what they did without him. Um, but the way they u- usually utilize him, um, I think that's a perfect example of how Diggs could be used. Um, I think the, uh, he's a different player uh, just because he doesn't have the speed. But they, they move him around all the time. I'm, you know, my guy, Keenan Allen, um, like I said, he's, he's not the downfield playmaker that Diggs is. He's not the explosive athlete that Stephon Diggs is. But they use him in a way that moves him around the formation, gets him into favorable, favorable matchups uh, against linebackers and sometimes safeties. Um, they do all those things. Um, and then Amari Cooper is obviously that, that guy that's really similar to Diggs in the sense that he's a really good separator, really good route runner. Um, you know, that, that guy that's explosive with the ball in his hands after the catch. Um, that's something that you, you, uh, that's a, that's a team that, that wants to utilize their playmaker and their number one pass, pass catcher. Um, so I think those are a few good examples of guys and, and teams that are creatively using their, their, uh, their playmakers, uh, in a way that I wish Stefanski would do a little bit more of with Diggs. Okay. And yeah, I mean, after seeing what Amari Cooper was able to, to do to, to, to us there, um yeah yeah i can see that so as we move forward we want to see Diggs moved around a little bit more um i guess as the season has gone on early in the season there was a lot of talk dalvin for mvp all of those things i think that's kind of gone away now that kirk has uh has fallen into what seems to be a a lower variance band and it's something that you talked about a little bit in uh in a couple of the group chats as well where you were talking about um Kirk seems to have limited his downside. Could you talk to me a little bit more about what you meant by that? Because 
I mean, he's playing very well. He's uh, statistically across the board, regardless of how you're looking at him, be it PFF, be it QBR. Well, QBR, not as much. He's middle of the pack in QBR, but most everything else, he's, you know, top 10, top five. Um, what is it that you're seeing that you like about, I mean, I know you don't like the fact they're not taking shots to digs, but the flip side of that with Kirk, maybe not making the, the mistakes that we've maybe come to expect from him in the past. What are you seeing about how he's playing the position now that makes you feel encouraged about his development as a player at this point in his career? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the first start is definitely the confidence. He looks, he looks more locked in. He looks more confident in what's going on with the offense, with where his reads are, where his checkdowns are, where, where everybody is supposed to be. Um, it, you could really see last year, especially toward the end of the year, and you, you heard rumblings that came out, um, how John D. Filippo's offense was, it was very, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the play calling and the, uh, and all that were, um, the verbiage was really difficult to like mutter out and, and to get out in the, in the huddle. So they couldn't really get into, um, <clears throat> into hurry up situations because, because of that, because he's trying to yell out a play call and that play call is really long and, um, and really hard to like get off. So then that's really what you're thinking about. And you're not really, it really felt like he wasn't able to play free and easy because of some of the play calling, the way the, the formations were asked and some of the, uh, um, the play calling was, was, um, was set up by Filippo. this year. You really see that confidence in him because of the easier play calling, the easier, um, I'd say probably the reads as well and what they're asking him to, what they're asking him to do in terms of the offense. But at the same time, He's taking full charge of this offense. You see him at the line of scrimmage making audibles, um, reading the defense and, um, and being able to see the, um, see the defense. I think pre-snap even better than what we've probably seen, um, over the last year and change or what, you know, the two years he's been in Minnesota. Um, I think that's a big part of it. His confidence is just growing, but at the same time, I'll say where I think he's become, I'm not going to say a safer player because he's being more, he's more aggressive, but he's limiting the mistakes is you really just see i guess it is just the command of the offense he he's no longer like feels like he needs to carry the weight of the team on his shoulders which i think is probably a good thing for him um we know that obviously the quarterback should want that whatever that is um it feels like he's more comfortable in it when he's asked for it but i think he also understands he doesn't have to be 100% on him the entire game because of the way they they set up their offense, the quick passing, the screen game, um, getting Dalvin Cook involved, stuff like that. Um, a lot of that has been, um, I think, a big part of his development. And I know it's crazy to say Kirk's developing as a player at 31 years old, but he is. I mean, he's not your prototypical, it's his eighth year in the league. It's his sixth year as a starter. So, like, it's a little bit different than, like, a, a guy in his – uh, eighth year in the league when he's been a, a starter for eight years he's been kind of nitpicked here and there um i don't know I, it just really feels like he's taking a little bit of that that next step that you see most guys do in their mid-20s mid to late 20s so i think maybe kirk's a little bit behind the eight ball and um on, on hitting his ceiling but i think um he's finally hit it and it's one of those things where just the development of what he's been able to do in the confidence um, in the offense and who he's playing with and what they're asking him to do has um, really made it uh, a lot easier for him to just, I guess, just play a little bit more free while also not um, 
making the same crucial mistakes he used to make. My goodness, I, I'm not even sure what what to do with myself here. We have uh, you know Prince turning it around, showing <laughs> faith in Kirk Cousins, Miles. I mean, you've always been pretty fair in terms of your assessment of what Kirk was and wasn't, but uh, you feeling pretty confident about you know where he's oh. at. So with that in mind, really the next thing I want to talk to you about. Well, real, well, real, real quick, real quick with that. I always felt like Kirk was a really good quarterback. So I, I never, I never was a fan of people calling him cheeks or calling, you know, labeling him this guy that was bad. And I'm not saying you, but I know there are, there are people out there that have essentially said he's a bad quarterback. That's just not true. He was always a good quarterback. It was always about what he was asked to do or what, what you expected from him to be. And I think the contract really just, it really skewed people's like perception of him because because you pay him so much money, that means he's going to be something that he's not. And I, I always felt that was just a, an, an unrealistic way to look at him as a quarterback. So I think it just changed what that perception and, and what the realistic you know, opportunity is for him. Plus, I was a big fan of his coming out of college. So I, <laughs> I, I thought he was an underrated quarterback coming out in the draft in 2012. And when he went in the fourth round, I thought that was a steal. So. I guess you could say uh, kind of right. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, with that said, let's see how right you really are, because as we've talked about just a little bit here, um, yeah, the defense isn't what it, what it used to be. Oh. And this was one of the things. Oh. And so uh, we're going to have a bit of a nuanced conversation to, to wrap things up here on the podcast, because this is always what I guess the, the conversation was when you're talking about a Kirk Cousins, you're talking about paying him, you know, the big money. You know, is he the type that you want to try to carry your team like a Russell Wilson when things start to fall apart around him? You know, a, a player that's good enough to continually, you know, more often than not, get a team into the playoffs, give them a shot. Um, I mean, as as we talked about before the Seattle game, uh, the Vikings on paper were better than the Seahawks in so many positions. But because the Seahawks had Russell Wilson, None of us were really sure how that game was going to go, and it kind of played out that way. Um, the Vikings were so scared of Russell Wilson, they played soft coverage, and Seattle just ran the ball on them nonstop throughout the game and were able to use that to salt things away. But as the Vikings move forward, um, with the offense being better than the defense, which is kind of what we should want, how confident do you feel as we go down the stretch with a team that will really rise and fall more often than not, or more than likely based on how Kirk Cousins plays and without maybe some of the, uh, the wiggle room that we have been accustomed to having because of how good the defense was. Yeah. I mean, I think what Kirk Kirk's shown, it's not just a four game stretch, what it was earlier in the season. It's been a, what, like a 10 game stretch at this point. Um, He's played up to that point where I'm confident enough to that if he needs to help get this offense back into games like he's shown, he can do that. He can help carry the offense, carry this, help carry the team more than I think even anybody expected that he could do. Um, I believe the defense, it, it is a worry. That's obvious. I think um, there's no bones about that. I think it's, it's kind of crazy to see and to see the fact that they they don't trust their cornerbacks and that's obvious on monday that was obvious from monday like playing the the deep cover two 
Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris playing so far back and not being um, playing so far back and not really being in the box the way, box the way they normally are. Uh, that's a big factor uh, in the run game, like we saw, um, because they didn't want to get beat deep. And the crazy part about that is um, with not wanting to get beat deep, you were, you the the Seahawks were smart and they were like, well, let's just switch it up and we'll run the ball. And I know we talk about running, but like it was a smart move for them. They were getting like eight to nine yards a, a carry on like first down. I mean, when you can do that, that's always a, a positive. That's not a that's always a good thing. And you're always you're not going to take that away from yourself. You're going to continue to do that. Um, so I think it just says so much about the confidence that Zimmer does doesn't have in his in his cornerbacks right now. Um, especially downfield like that we used to. He used to be able to line his guys up and say, I'm not worried about them getting beat deep from anybody because they're so sound and they're so good at what they do. Um, I'm going to let Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris do what they do. Uh, so that's a, that's a really big factor here um, that I think really hurt them on Monday. And I think they're going to have to make a decision on how they want to approach that. And <laughs> um, I, I think. Xavier Rhodes obviously needs to play better. He came out and apologized this week. I mean, apologies are great, but let's see what you can do with it. Um, I mean, at this point, it's how are you supposed to feel confident in him? Um, if he's getting, he's getting coverages wrong um, and he's just getting beat on like everything, uh, I think it's like, it's like a 90% completion percentage. You just throw it his way and you're going to complete it. That's what it feels like. or uh, That's what the stats say. Um, Trey Waynes is, uh, has been inconsistent. I think Mackenzie Alexander was the only, like, I guess, bright spot in terms of the cornerbacks on Monday. Uh, he didn't really seem to get beat very often at all. Um, and then lastly, I think, uh, defensively, you're, we, I've talked about this and we've talked about this a lot. The lack of interior pass rushing ability is really hurting them. Uh, and it's just, a it's just giving, making life harder for your, your defensive backs and your cornerbacks because, when quarterbacks have as much time as they're getting from the interior, they can move around in the pocket a little bit more to buy themselves more time. Uh, and then lastly, um, I don't, I, I, I think Eric Wilson was a big part of their struggles on Monday. Uh, I know he's a good player and I think he should have been playing more uh, than what he was, but he really, really missed a lot of key uh, lanes and assignments and, um, and stuff like that against the, uh, the Seahawks and, it gave up a lot of big runs in the in the run game, and I think that just really hurt. Hopefully, he steps up. I'm not too worried about him. I think he's a good player, but I'm just not sure he's built to be that that weak side linebacker um, against run heavy teams. And I didn't even realize it was. You remember Chris Boyd? <laughs> Xavier Rhodes' uh, snaps oh, yeah. per reception are uh, our coverage snaps per reception are actually worse than Chris Boyd's season to date. It's not good. Well, I mean, he's got what? I mean, you know, the sample and everything, but that, but just, but just yeah. pulling up the Vikings coverage <laughs> yeah. stats on, on yeah. PFF and seeing Chris Boyd ahead of Xavier Rhodes right. it threw me for a bit of a loop, even though Boyd wasn't here for very long. So, with all that said, I mean, yeah, <laughs> Rhodes struggling, all of those things. The offense for a DVOA, top ten offense. Yep. Defense, good offense, not a top ten defense right now per DVOA. Some traditional stats still have them there, but, you know, when we're adjusting for opponents and all those other things, how does that make you feel as we head, you know, into this battle 
for the playoffs. Are you feeling good about this? Do you feel like Kirk Cousins is good enough? Because honestly, Monday, in many ways, without Kirk making the mistakes and things that maybe he came to be known for in Washington, but it felt a little bit like what you would have seen from Kirk Cousins in the Washington days, putting up a lot of stats in a game that they were behind in, um, getting it close enough to look respectable, but like not being able to get them over the hump, getting what many would term to be garbage time stats when the team was down big, the other team maybe was playing soft, um, but ultimately not winning the game. So as we go down the stretch, there look to be some games that we should win. I mean, <laughs> the Lions are starting with David Blow. Is that his name? Blow, Blow. something. Blow. We should win that game. Whatever. Philip Rivers, his arm seems to have finally fallen off. But then we have those division games down the stretch. So as we close out the season, and let's say we get to the playoffs, like how confident are you in the construct of this team being now one that can go very deep in the playoffs? If, in fact, we do now need to rely on Kirk Cousins to be that player to, uh, to really carry us down the stretch. I, so looking at you, kind of look at the defenses that this team would have to play. I think the nice part is the last two games. You've and I, you you talked about Kirk Cousins and the like volume stats. Monday felt different to me than what we've seen in the past from Kirk, uh, because I really believe that he helped them actually get back into the game when the defense hurt them. But it was more. It didn't feel like oh, they have no chance of getting back in this game like what we've seen in the past with Kirk and the offense coming on late because they know, because like you said, the defense is playing softer, all that. He's just gathering volume stats. It really felt like he was helping them take control back of the game and they had a realistic shot of winning the game and I don't think he lost them the game. I think he was the reason that they were still had an opportunity to win it at the end. Um, so it felt different to me than what we've seen uh, with some of that volume stats and, st- and stuff like that. Um, but back to your point about the playoffs, I think they're, we've seen them against the Broncos and the Seahawks who both have good defenses. They can score on anybody, it feels like, right now. Um, when they get into their up-tempo offense, they start clicking a little bit. Um, they, uh, their offense has done a really good job of offsetting pressure and, and doing stuff like that. Um, so I, I believe that the – I'm not worried about the offense anymore. It's crazy to think that way. It's about the defense and how can Zimmer, what can Zimmer do to be a little bit more creative in, in making sure his defense is getting some more, some more of that interior pressure, is not allowing his, his DBs to get burned so easily. Um, I mean, I know at the end of the day, it's got to be the players have to step up themselves, but I think part of that too is uh, Zimmer needing to adjust how he approaches his defense and kind of transforming it into a different style than what we've seen because of the lack of, I hate saying it, but ability on the, at the cornerback position and the interior defensive line. So I, I do, I do believe this team can beat anybody in the league. It's just about finding a way to, to let it all click in one, at once. And you got to do it at the right time. And right now you're seeing the offense do a little bit more than what the de- defense, which we used to see that in reverse where the defense was essentially carrying the offense. Now what can we now I want to see the defense catch up a little bit while the offense is still clicking and I think you're going to see a team that can make a run in the playoffs. There it is. So make a run in the playoffs. We do like that. Uh what what are you predicting for this game? It's a big line in favor of the Vikings. Not of the Vikings going to win cuz I mean it 
feels like. If they don't, oh my goodness, God help us all. Right. God help us all if they don't. But um, you know, it's a big line. Do you think the Vikings cover? Uh no. I I I'm just <laughs> thirteen points is a lot. Um, even in the NFL for ba- against bad teams, I mean, I'd probably say closer to ten mm-hmm. than anything. But um, I don't think they'll cover. But I, I they should bet. <laughs> They are a better team than the Detroit Lions at home. There is no excuse to lose this game. Um, that doesn't mean they won't. <laughs> um, but I like the way that, the way that they've been playing offensively. Um, and then you kind of help yourself out on defense with being at home. Um, you you should win this game handily. Like, and what we haven't seen that in a while. That I want to see. I just want to like. Let's not. I'm sick of the. The, the scary fourth quarters where you're like, oh my God, if they don't get a stop here, they're going to lose. Or if they don't score here, they're going to lose. I would love to go into like the mid part of the fourth quarter and be up by enough points and feel and be comfortable enough to where they can rest some people and they can kind of, uh, I hate saying this, but like coast at the end of the game and let guys rest up and, and just like be confident that, hey, we beat a bad team because we're way better than that team. And we, I haven't, we haven't seen that from this team in a while, so I just like to see that. It's a good time it, to do it. Really it really is. We need that. Rest it up. Let them get some guys healthy. Let's put Dalvin on ice this week, please. We don't need him. We don't yeah. need. Him. Yeah, that'd like, be We really fine. shouldn't need him to beat the Detroit Lions with whoever they have playing at quarterback. So yeah, Sugarman, let him chill. <laughs> let him and Thielen hang out in the luxury box, watch the game, and. uh Get them down the stretch when we actually need them. But that is it. That is all, listeners. As always, thank you for sticking with us, Miles. Thank you for making the time. We had Saxy Prince for but a short time. He had to get out there and do whatever it is that he does. And, uh, you know, JR, you know, if you're still up tomorrow when this drops, you know, hope you uh, you were able to get some sleep and a break from the twins there, get them back down. And, uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.